Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To my left we have Justin Anderson. Bud, how's it going? I'm a-okay. I'm ready for opening day. That rhymed. Did it mean to rhyme? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's why I took Good a little pause there. I was trying to think of something clever. Okay. <laughs> Starting the podcast off with some straight fire. Um, Patrick Marsh joining us on Skype from uh, the Maritimes. How's it going, bud? Guys, it is the night before opening day. I can't be more excited than I am right now. The season's about to start. Vladdy's coming. Let's fucking go, boys. I'm hyped. Can I ask you one question based on that, Patrick? Would you be more excited if, if our team was going to win games this year? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll win he, some games. He said he couldn't be more excited. Didn't he say that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was. That's why I had to ask. Wow, starting the shows off with lies and rhymes. Lies and rhymes also kind of no. rhymes. Yeah, no. it kind of does. Come on, if you rap it fast enough, it doesn't matter. It just has to sound kind of the same. Um, by the way, give Easy us a follow on the socials: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BFMD Podcast. We're on the SoundCloud, the iTunes, the Spotify, the Google Play Music, the TuneIn, the Stitcher. We're all over all the cool things. Yeah. Um, just to give you a little bit of an insight of what life is like here in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, <laughs> in case you're listening, wherever the states different part of Canada. Um, Saskatoon, it was announced today that we're getting an Olive Garden, and people lost their shit. Like, yeah. that's the kind of city that Saskatoon is. Whenever we get, like, a big chain, we go banana sandwich over it. Uh, Taco Bell, we got our very first Taco Bell two years ago, have, I think. Like, four? Something like that. Yeah, we have four Taco Bells. They're multiplying like rabbits. Um, but, like, there was a lineup for four straight days for Taco Bell. Yeah. They had to bring in police because it was getting too rowdy. There was, like, a DJ... At Taco Bell for the opening week. I'm just really glad that happened before marijuana legalization. Exactly. And then today, Olive Garden, like, it was front page news. CBC Saskatchewan, the very front, like, the very first story on their website. Olive Garden. Garden. (laughs) Like, that's the kind of stuff that makes news here in Saskatoon, in case you're wondering, hmm, what is Saskatoon kind of like? That's what it's like. We We go ape shit over unlimited breadsticks. And to be fair, the breadsticks are... The breadsticks are just fantastic. So are you excited for Olive Garden or are you one of those people? You know what? I'm too good for Olive Garden. When I was a kid, every time I go to Edmonton, I always wanted to go there. We went a few times. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I mean, it's it's something that I uh, haven't had in probably about 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to a little bit of breadstick action. Patrick in the Maritimes, is it the same thing? Like when you get a chain restaurant or something you don't have that the rest of the country has, you guys go nuts over it or no? No. Nobody cares about Olive Garden. There's too many good local restaurants. Oh, one of those local guys. You can love a chain restaurant and still support local. Yeah. Like, our whole thing that we did on my morning show today was, you know what? Local businesses, if they adopted the free breadstick business model, they'd be a lot more successful. <laughs> you know what? Like, smoothie shops or clothing stores or whatever. If you there imagine? was just a basket of breadsticks there, you'd go shop local a lot more and, often. And just think of it this way, too. If if you're shop- shopping with Brenly mm-hmm. and she wants to go into Forever 21 or some shitty like Lacenza or something exactly they have breadsticks in there you're gonna go into Lacenza yeah and I'm gonna kill some time another yeah. guy in there probably is munching on some breadsticks we start talking about you sports might, new friend and all of a sudden you or you might see something on the rack and be like hey Brenly you should buy that you just made them a sale boom uh, I'm telling you the free <laughs> breadstick business model like someone take it to Dragon's Den or something because that's the new wave when it comes to business you offer free breadsticks people go nuts the food at Olive Garden is garbage it's horrible it's not great horrible food but everyone loves the free breadsticks, so they're like, yeah, I'm freaking psyched for an Olive Garden. Free breadsticks. Free breadsticks is the key 
to good business. You heard it here first. What do you guys get excited then about Patrick? Well, this week uh, is a very special week in Halifax. Uh, starting March 28th all the way to, oh, that should be the same, uh, April the 3rd, not May the 3rd. I wish it was Burger Month <laughs> in Halifax, but it's going to be Burger Week. Oh, this is the sixth year that they've done it. It's a citywide burger eating phenomenon that's done by Feed Nova Scotia, which is a not-for-profit charity that uh, obviously helps feed people in Nova Scotia. Uh, so over the last six years, they've raised over $285,000 um, on the, the backs of uh, something close to like a million burgers, I think, have been cooked over the last six years. But I love burger week i can't wait the only thing i'm more excited about than burger week is the start of the mlb season burger week is going to be fantastic because it happens at the exact same time so while i'm chewing <laughs> on my peanut butter burger from daryl's on fenwick i am going to be checking out the jays and it's going to be fantastic i, I love you're going to say shark week but yeah Burgers yeah. in Maritimes, by the way, is that just like fish, like fish sandwiches? I just think that the Maritimes, that's all they eat is fish and lobster. It's like, Atlantic cod. Do you guys have cattle out there? What? I don't even know what the fuck a fish sandwich is, man. <laughs> Are you talking about like a filet fish No, or like just it's your burgers, all your food, I just assume is fish. Everything burgers is made fish. of it's fish. Quesadilla no. fish. You know, like smoothies, fish. <laughs> no. That's all you guys have no, out there. Man. That's what I thought. We- we 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 like our beef. Oh, okay, that's good. But if you're not into that, I'll tell you, there's a lot of great vegetarian options for Burger Week. All you got to do is go to I think it's BurgerWeek.co or something like that. Check it out. The list is already up. So if you want to prep yourself, figure out which burgers you're gonna stuff into your face during the uh, the five day extravaganza, you can definitely do that. Plan ahead. I yeah. highly recommend doing that. I'm pretty excited for you to have Burger Week. I just hope that it's that AAA Alberta beef. That's all. I yeah, have. I mean, I, I just can't wait to put some hot meat in my <laughs> mouth, boys. Can't wait. Oh my god, that's uh, we're not we're not editing that out either. No, I was gonna I was gonna be too. I was gonna be like, oh, because when he was like, I'm almost as excited as the start of the season for Burger Week. I was gonna be like, great segue. Let's get into baseball talk. And then we kept talking, and we ended on hot meat, hot in, meat my in my mouth. mouth. All right. There's well, no good segue well, for that. Let's just so. go talk about spring training recaps. Yeah. So uh, spring training um, <laughs> is officially in the books. Thank God. Um, opening day is. Well, for us, it's tomorrow, but if you're listening, it's probably today. Or yesterday. Yesterday, whenever. You might yeah. be listening to this in the year 2028, or who knows, you know? But uh, as we record this podcast, uh, opening day is tomorrow. Um, when it comes to spring training, who are you most impressed with? Who had the most impressive spring, Justin? Uh, offensively, a guy that's on the 25-man, Brandon Drury. I mean, we saw him come over from the Yankees last year and get injured a couple of times. Had the broken... I think it was a broken wrist or a broken mm-hmm. hand right away pretty much, and we didn't get to see him much. He's looking a lot like uh, Diamondbacks' Brandon Jury. Um, I mean, this guy has utility. He can play literally anywhere on the field. He's played outfield. He's played the infield. He's going to play third base until our big boy Vladdy is ready and back from his oblique mm-hmm. strain. He's swinging in the cage now. He's ahead of schedule, according to old Charlie Montoyo, so that's a good sign. 
Um, I, I've been really impressed with Dre this this spring. He's got a couple of stolen bases even. I mean, he's striking out a little bit more than I'd like to see, but the power is there, the extra base hits are there, and hopefully he can at least produce. If he hits 250 while he fills in, I'll be happy because because the defense he provides. Mm-hmm. Patrick, who uh, who do you think had the best spring when it comes to the Jays players? Uh, offensively, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Bo Bichette, but if we're talking about guys who made the roster... <laughs> I'm going to go with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He had an absolutely fantastic spring. He batted 366. I mean, uh, only four walks, but only seven strikeouts. I love it. This guy is going to tear up the league at second base. This is the guy I'm most excited for this season. I'm not excited for, for Vladdy right now. Maybe I'll get more excited when he comes up, but Gurriel proved last year he's a hell of a hitter and that much more experience under his belt. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like my prophecy of him becoming an all-star is going to happen. For me, I think the guy who made the 25-man roster and had the most impressive spring, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I mean, he yeah. he hit the ball well. He hit 366. Um, he didn't strike out as much as I thought he would. I mean, he still struck out seven times in the spring, but that's not that bad. I you mean, it's, on the same page it's pretty average, you know? Yeah. But the guy who I kind of thought had the better spring was Rowdy Telez. Rowdy, he did strike out 13 times, but he batted 280 and he had five dingers and 11 RBIs. That's what you want out of your big power hitter. You want him to hit the ball out of the park. You want him to hit the ball when there's runners in scoring position, and that's what he was doing. I kind of still thought that Rowdy might make the opening day roster. There was a little piece of me because I love Rowdy (laughs) Teles. I love him. And again, that's the thing about me. When I start really liking guys, I start thinking with my heart instead of my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure Rowdy Telez will make the team. <laughs> There's no chance he was going to make the team. No. He, he might get called up later on this season if someone gets hurt or something like that because he he's a heck of a hitter. But I kind of thought that Rowdy Telez proved something this spring. He wasn't just a flash-in-the-pan, late call-up guy that got hot. The guy can play some baseball, yeah. and, and he proved that this spring. Um, what about the guys... Of course, offensively. We'll get to the pitchers in a little bit. Um, Patrick, the uh, guys who didn't do so great in the spring, who uh, who do you think needs to be called out here? Freddie Galvis, I think. He's supposed to be our, our shortstop, and Richard Urania outperformed him. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Justin. Richard Urania made the 25-man roster. What are you going to do now? Guess I'm gonna go cheer for the Yankees. That was the, that was the promise. <laughs> Never say that again on this podcast, well, even if it's a joke. Uh, Galvis, Buck Martinez was loving Galvis during yeah, the Montreal right. series. He had nothing but good things to say about him. I think it's because we can just plug him in for this year, and it's not going to be a horrible, huge downgrade. Like it's not like he's going to be garbage out there. He can hold his own. But let's be real, he's holding the spot yeah. for Bo Bichette next year. And in all honesty, I mean, if Galvis performs reasonably well, he's a piece that could be moved the trade deadline for a contender who's looking for defensive stability as they go into the, to the playoffs. Or he could be a future Ryan Goins kind of guy and just kind of hang out on the bench and be uh, a utility guy. For... I would give Galvis a little bit more uh, than Ryan Goins. Yeah, but I mean, he could become like a better version of our Ryan Goins, you know? Be yeah, like a guy you can plug and play at second or shortstop or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Galvis's defense big time. I mean, honestly, at the plate, he's probably never going to hit. If he hits higher than 245, it's you're getting more than you ever wanted out of Freddie Galvis. 
I th- or Galvis as they've been pronouncing it on TV and radio broadcasts. I'm not sure if that's the correct way, but we'll go with that. Um, the guy's a veteran. I mean, Marcus Stroman ranted about veteran presence. And this guy, because he's a great defender, who better to help out young guys like Urania and Guriel with their defense? And mm-hmm. obviously Vladi, when he gets up to, is a guy who's been around. He's should have. He's, he's a gold glove caliber shortstop, let's put yeah. it that way. And he's got the the experience of around, being around the big leagues. He's played in Philly for a long time. So, I mean, this is a guy that you kind of want around just to mentor guys, even if he doesn't end up playing a ton at the end of the year, like we saw with Russell Martin last season, at least he'll be there to mentor the young kids. Mm -hmm. Every one of these episodes we've been doing during spring training, there has been one common theme. Luke Maley not playing that well. He's a big old oof. Luke Maley has had a horrible, horrible spring. He hit 162. Yeah. Only got 37 PAs. Yeah. Defensively, he didn't really stand out either. Like, again, if you're a bad offensive catcher, you better stick out defensively. You better be throwing guys out. You better be blocking everything. And, like, he didn't really stick out defensively. I'm sure he made some pretty good plays and some pretty good calls. But Luke Maley did not stick out. And, again, thank goodness we have Danny Jansen because Luke Maley was iffy at best. Danny yeah. Jansen had a pretty good spring. He did. He was, he was pretty solid. good, just kind of mediocre there. He had um, like 275. So wh- I mean. When it comes to Kevin Pillar, I know that you guys don't like him <laughs> and stuff like that. What did you think of his spring? Um, Obviously, I mean, we saw him take three walks and only strike out seven times, which based on his career numbers is amazing for Kevin Pillar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem I had with Kevin is last year we saw him in a ton of doubles. He only had one double out of his 12 hits this this spring and three home runs. Sure, yeah, three home runs are great. Um, he's going to provide us with above average, if barely above, defense, uh, which is which is okay. I, I mean, I thought Anthony Alford had a way better spring than than Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar was probably our if Dalton Pompey wouldn't have gotten hurt. Uh, Kevin Pillar would have been our our fifth best outfielder this spring. I would have put because I would go. Teoscar, McKinney, Alfred, Pompey, Pilar, in order of spring performances mm-hmm. this this year. So, I mean, Kevin Pilar, I mean, and Gritchick would be ahead of him, too, so he'd be our sixth worst, so I forgot about Randall. Um, so, I mean, I, I, based on Kevin Pilar's spring performance, if we were going purely based on that, he wouldn't be on this 25-man roster. Um, I mean, he's been linked to some Giants trade rumors again that they're interested in him. If there's a taker for any of our players on the roster and if we get a reasonable return, these veteran guys, I think we have to do it. I bet you if we trade Kevin Pillar, he's going to have a great season. I don't think so. I don't think he has it. I bet you he does. He's I bet you. I bet you because he's getting shit on here in Toronto. I bet yeah. you he goes somewhere and has a good year. You heard it here I first. Mean, if we trade Kevin Pillar, I bet you he will go on and make us not regret it because, again, he's old <laughs> and Pilar. he's come to the end of it. <laughs> Shut up, guys. He did, he did so much for this freaking team, and yeah. you guys just crap all the, oh, oh, Yeah, well, he's a freaking defensive guru out there yeah, he's making right. huge plays. And, again, I just get he didn't have a great spring at all. No. Um, my question to you, though, Patrick, is um, are you kind of thinking the same as Justin? Is he – can he still be useful this year, like for the start of the year until we trade him at the deadline? Do you think he can still be useful, or is he just useless? You ready for a spicy take? Uh-oh. Here we go. Kevin Pillar will be a San Francisco Giant before the end of May. Pillar doesn't have a future on this team, no matter what way you slice it. If Anthony Alford starts to get hot, whether he's playing in AAA or, or whatever— Alfred's going to be the center fielder. He's going to get all kinds of looks where, uh, wherever he plays in center field. He is the heir apparent to Kevin Pillar. He's a much better athlete. Um, 
it's inevitable. Kevin Pillar's outlived his usefulness for the Jays. What he really needs, though, is he needs to be dealt to a team that's in a hitter's park. Um, I'm not. I don't know if the Giants, if if AT and T counts, it's as got, a hitter's it's park. Got big gaps, kind though. of. I mean, there's got good extra base gaps in at AT and T. I mean, the, yeah. right, the right center field gap is pretty dirty. So I mean, for a guy like Pilar, he's he's decent at hitting gaps. I mean, we saw him hit a ton of doubles last year, so that could be a good fit for him. He needs that, though. Otherwise, he's just going to end up being somebody's fourth outfielder because he's definitely going to be our fourth outfielder come May. He's just he's over 30, and he's lost uh, a couple steps as far as his like defensive zone jumps or whatever the proper uh, metric is. I don't know what it is. Maybe Professor Anderson could talk about it next uh, episode. But uh, nonetheless... Pilar outlived his usefulness. It's time for the uh, Age of Alford. Yeah, oh, that's a good Avengers reference. I like it. But anyway. whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> we'll trade him at the deadline. Give Kevin Pilar. Yeah. Give Kevin Pilar half the season. See, I mean, he's leader of the team. He's probably one of the leaders in the clubhouse. So we yeah, probably oh, need yeah, him for, for sure. the young guys for coming sure he up. Is. So. And, and while it's great to have him around in a rebuild, we saw teams. Uh, do this like we saw the Red Sox do it with Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mookie Betts and Benintendi where they gave their young kids reps in the outfield and if we don't give Anthony Alford reps in the outfield at some point in the big leagues how, how do we know what we have mm-hmm. there right I mean it's it's all well and good if he can perform decently well in AAA but we've seen guys and guys like Pete Rose has talked about how it's easier to hit in the big leagues than it is to hit in the minor leagues because you, you guys are working the strike zone mm-hmm. more often that kind of thing so until so you give Alfred a chance, and he made some tweaks to his swing that we saw him, his power numbers shot up this spring. So hopefully, hopefully that sticks. And yep. him and Pompey, hopefully Pompey can come back from that concussion and have a good rehab stint so that we don't have to DFA him and maybe make the team too. We'll see what happens. There's going to be some interesting roster decisions once guys like Pompey and some pitchers get healthy. Pompey hurt himself in the stupidest way, so I lost yeah. a lot of respect for him. I there. still can't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> If you get hurt from though. a bat falling on your head, figure well, it he, out. I, like, think, I don't think it fell. I think he actually hit his head on the bat. That makes it even know. worse. It's then. a concussion, though. I, I I don't want to say anything negative about a concussion. Oh, yeah, Especially no. for a guy with history. Exactly. You don't want to make fun oh, of yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're, I'm not making no, fun yeah, of the yeah, fact yeah. that his you. brain it's, might it's be mashed potatoes and he's got CTE. It's like Aaron Sanchez with the suitcase. It's just a dumb injury. Figure it out. You're a grown man and you get up too fast and watch hit a head it. on a bat watch come where, on watch where you're uh stepping it's like when you whack your head on the microwave door and you yeah. down below it oh it's just it's smarts man would you guys <laughs> have anthony alford on the team and send down one pitcher to the minors like have one less bullpen pitcher if it meant having anthony alford on the bench just so he can get some late inning action or have a spot start here once in a while maybe if we had the yankees bullpen but with the guys we have <laughs> you wouldn't trust our bullpen or would, you, would you patrick or no we have a bottom three bullpen in MLB. Our bullpen is dog shit. We need all the help we can get. Alford is just going to have to wait. <laughs> I would have Alford on our team and send one of our bullpen guys down there because, again, we're not doing anything anyway this year, so why not go into full rebuild mode and say, you know what, we're going to get Alford as much playing time yeah, as possible. I love it, but, yeah, looking at the roster today when I was filling out this sheet, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's bad. Is- it's real bad. Like, who are these guys? Some it's of pretty bad. Yeah, it's like Major League all over again. Who the hell, hell are, are these guys? guys? Uh, <laughs> let's talk some pitching, shall we? Uh, the pitchers in spring that uh, you guys had your eye on as... There's a bunch of them. Hey, these guys played pretty good. Um, let's just say Stroman and Sanchez, they had a really, really They're good spring. Good. So let's just get them out of the way. It's yep. expected, though. They're our top two pitchers. We need them to play well in spring training. Uh, Ryan Barucki, 
he's got to get healthy. He's got to walk a few less batters. But what did you think of his spring, Patrick? Very pleased with uh, baby Burley. I think he's more than earned his spot in the rotation. It kind of sucks he's going to miss. I think it's either one or two one starts. For sure. Yeah. Is he is he penciled in then for the number three or number four spot? He'd probably be number four. I think the guys they'll get taken out. Oh, obviously the guys who get taken out at some point are Trent Thornton and uh, Clayton Richard. But Baraki yeah. will if because it's, it's those are Buckholes and Baraki's spots. Um, and I mean you got to keep a lefty in there because right now our our first four pitchers are all righties. I, I, I like hate that. I like having Shoemaker. Or Baraki in between Stroman and Sanchez just to break up those power sinkers. Mm-hmm. But where whether or not Baraki's between them or in the fourth spot, as long as he's in there, I'm happy. Yeah, but wouldn't he be more beneficial if he was breaking up? Like if he, even if he went like, uh, then maybe this is sacrilegious, but like even having him number two, so go Stroman, yeah. Baraki, Sanchez. I don't hate just it. to break up. Like you can't have like all your righties all the time like at the top of the, the rotation yeah well honestly for a guy for for big league pitchers I, as long as they know they're in the rotation i don't really know if they care too much well except for maybe marcus stroman exactly which slot they're in because once yeah, you're in that big league rotation and, you, and you're a veteran like an aaron sanchez he could be number four but he, if he knows that he's there just for like team building or like the way that stacks up he wouldn't give a shit as long as he's pitching every fifth day he's he's fine with the fourth spot i think I, I think I can say that pretty confidently about a guy like Sanchez. When it comes to Joe Biagini, did he do enough this spring to make you trust him again? Or do you still need to see more from him? Okay, the thing with Joe is when we first brought him over in 2016 in the Real Five, he was a bullpen guy, had a great year. The next two years, 17 and 18, he flip-flopped between AAA starting, big league starting, big league bullpen, injured, whatever it was. Joe Biagini is a bullpen pitcher. We've, we've, I think our management has finally figured that out. I think Montoya has probably figured that out mm-hmm. through watching the Jays as a member of the Rays staff. And if Joe Biagini can, keeps doing what he did in eight outings, almost eight innings, no earned runs allowed at all, no nine home runs, Ks. nine Ks, only two walks. I mean, five hits. Like this guy had a great spring. He did all the, what he needed to do to kind of win back some some favor from the organization. And I think the good thing for Joe is he does this under a completely new staff minus Pete Walker. Um, and I think this is a great thing for him. A great spring for Joe. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that he played well. Do you trust Joe Biagini again, Patrick, or is he still on your shit list? No, I don't trust Joe Biagini. All right, good talk. See you later, guys. It's been an awesome podcast. Goodbye. Uh, This podcast has been brought to you by... uh, I think Joe Biagini might turn into one of our better bullpen guys this year. If he doesn't start... That's a good thing. I oh, think that's what kind of messed him up over the past yep, couple of years is he kept agree. having to go back and forth, back and forth. Weird guys like Joe Biagini because he is a weird guy. Yeah. They like structure. And when things start not being structured for them, they start getting more weird and things kind of start falling off the rails. Joe Biagini is intimidating on the mound. Like, he's a mm-hmm. big dude. He's not just a tall dude. He's a thick dude. And he can bring the heat if he keeps this up and again i still don't trust him because last year was such train wreck yeah like joe biagini was i can't remember one good outing he had last year like not one where it was like man he really really shut him down that inning i can't even remember one his big problems the last two years have been giving up home runs his first year in the league he gave up less than league average on home run per fly ball in the last two years he's been well over it yeah so but... i just think that with joe having that consistency like you said it's going to be a big thing for him 
He's got to have consistency, and I think, again, he's just found a home in the bullpen. Knowing what his role is. The first month is going to be huge for him. If he gets off to a slow start Mm. and fans start turning on him, I don't think that's going to be good for him. But if he can can prove it early on, I think Joe Biagini has potential to be one of those guys where, hey, you know what? I'm glad we didn't give up on him. He had a little bit of a rough reputation, but you know what? Holding on to Joe Biagini, we criticized it. All offseason. We were like, why are we keeping this guy? You know, because we picked him in the Rule 5 draft doesn't mean that we have to keep him. Apparently this is why. We said that a bunch. All three of us did. It could end up being a pretty good move keeping him on our roster because when you look at our bullpen, we don't have anyone else. So we have to pitch him because we don't have anyone else. So uh, when it comes to um, Sam Gaviglio, he had that one really, really bad outing, but the rest of the spring was solid. Um, Where do you see Gaviglio this season, Patrick, do you see him just nonstop AAA back and forth MLB? Does he prove it? Does he make like what? Where, what do you think he's going to do this year? He is going to be in the role that Joe Biagini was occupying, which was the number six starter slash spot starter slash long reliever. Sammy G, whatever it is he did during the off season, he's figured out how to work his his two pitches a lot better uh, because he was a strikeout machine. He led the team uh, in strikeouts among our hottest pitchers by 10 more strikeouts than everybody else. Granted, he pitched the most innings, but at the same time, uh, he had more than one strikeout uh, per inning. It's almost like 1.25 or something like that. So like... Yeah, the, I, I like it. I think uh, if you go to Pitcher List, which is that great website that shows, uh, breaks down the frequency with which uh, pitchers throw particular pitches, uh, they've keyed in on something that's really important for Gaviglio coming up uh, in this season, and that's throwing less curveballs and throwing more sliders. Hmm. Whatever it is he's figured out here in spring training, he's throwing more sliders, and it's a much more effective pitch in his repertoire as opposed to the curveball, which has got the snot hit out of it last year. So I I like what he's doing, and I think Sammy G is going to get a good, solid, I'd say 120 innings under his belt this season. And I'm starting to think that maybe what we saw last year was just a result of like everybody being dog shit and that Sammy G is going to come back and he's going to have a much better season because he's, he's figured it out at, at the, at the, uh, at, at the mound. Yeah. Let's talk about pitchers who did not have a great spring. Um, Justin, <clears throat> which pitchers just, just did not play well to you? Thomas Pannone. We talked about him last yeah, week. Yeah, He was he gave up six long balls in 13 innings. It's really bad. Um, yeah, not great, Thomas. I mean, you had almost a 10 ERA, which, I mean, granted, it was only two of his outings were starts. So, I mean, his numbers are a little bit inflated by that, but still, he gave up 14 earned runs over 13 and a third innings. Oh, yeah. He's got to go to AAA. <laughs> I was pretty underwhelmed Even by Shoemaker, though. I think he's though. in the bullpen. I th- like, Shoemaker, we were talking about how, hey, this might be a pretty a pretty sneaky deal by the yeah. Jays, you know? He didn't really impress me that much the, this spring. The big thing with Shoemaker was, again, the home runs allowed. But if you look a little bit further, the strikeout to walk numbers are decent. The opposing opponent's average is only 185. And outside of the home runs, I mean, he wasn't giving up a ton of hits. Five of the 12 hits he allowed were home runs. So, I mean, only seven other hits allowed over the course of 16, or 18 innings. Um, 
him, he's just going to limit those home runs, and I think he'll be fine. Giving up home runs in spring kind of worries me. It does. Because, I mean, pitching and hitting, when it comes to hitting, mm-hmm. like it usually comes a little bit later than pitching. Like Pitchers figure it out quicker than hitters do during spring training. So pitchers have the advantage in spring training because, you know, the timing that it takes to – for a major league hitter to get down, it takes a while. So when you're allowing a lot of home runs in spring training, I don't know, yeah. it's a little worrisome for me. Uh, what about you, Patrick? Um, Panome, Shoemaker, Reed Foley, out of those pitchers, who did you not like this spring? All of them. <laughs> Thomas Panone had an absolutely disastrous spring training. I said this before we even got to this point. Panone really needed to to come out and deliver a solid spring training in order to make it in to the bullpen, maybe have a shot at that sixth starter job. Uh, Sam Gaviglio outperformed him at every possible stage. Uh, Pannone to AAA, he won't be the first call-up. He'll probably be the second or the third, depending on how Trent Thornton does in his first couple starts. The Pannone hype train has been derailed. But only temporarily. We'll see what happens later he's, in the season when they start be in dealing our bullpen, so I pitchers. Mean, I mean, he's not going to be in AAA. He's mm-hmm. in our bullpen. Pannone. All right, that's enough about Pannone. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope he sees limited time because he looked god awful <laughs> during spring training. So does Sean Reed Foley. And as for Matt Shoemaker and those home runs, I think his numbers are really deceptive. They look really bad, but they're they're not. But I think four of those down. five jacks came in two games. He can't so, keep I mean, the ball down. He's keeping the ball up way high in the zone. He can't yeah. do that, especially yeah. in the ballpark we play in. If you yeah, keep the ball up at Rogers Center, you are screwed. You're going to have Go a bad time. to keep the ball down. That's enough about spring. We're done with spring. Spring <laughs> training over, whatever. Regular season time. Let's, let's talk, go. Let's talk 25 minutes. Uh, again, Ryan Baraki, David Phelps, and Dalton Pompey, they're injured to start the year. Um, so expect them on the roster a little bit later. Um, Devin Travis, we all know that he's going to be on the 60-day DL as well. It's the Ryan IL Tapera. now. IL, good lord. <laughs> Classic Devin Travis. We, we can't call we can't call it disabled anymore. It's yeah. injured list oh, now. Oh, my goodness. What has happened to baseball? Somebody uh, complained. Ryan Tapera doesn't need <laughs> surgery or anything, but he should resume throwing soon. He should be back in our bullpen. But all those guys, they're injured, so let's just forget about yeah, them. Our rotation to start spots. the year. Yeah. Um, Marcus Stroman, Matt Shoemaker, Aaron Sanchez, Trent Thornton, Clayton Richard. Um, <laughs> is this one of the worst starting rotations we've ever had on opening day? If you look at last year's stats, oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have a rookie in there with Thornton. Uh, if you if you took career stats, the Stroman, Shoemaker, Sanchez, one, two, three would look okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Thornton and Richard's there, an innings eater. He has been his whole career, but he's a lefty. It's going to get better when we have Baraki and Buckles in there. That will improve it significantly, having those two guys back. So, for at least for the first couple of weeks, those Baraki and Buckles should arrive around the same time. I think Buckles is throwing about 45 pitches in a bullpen yesterday or today, so he's working his way up to to a full workload. Mm-hmm. So a couple more weeks of Buckles and extended spring training, he might get maybe make a start in Buffalo or something like that before he comes back. And Baraki may have to as well if he, if he does miss more than more than two starts. Um, so by, by the end of April, we should have no more Thornton and no more Richard in there, and it should be a lot better. But so yeah, with it's with, not great. With Barucki and Buckles, Patrick, do you like our rotation? Like if it was Stroman, Shoemaker, Sanchez, Barucki, and Buckles, are you comfortable with that starting rotation, or are you still pretty upset about it? 
Well, I mean, it's definitely better than our current starting rotation. Mm-hmm. It's an upgrade. I mean, it's 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 a sad, sad day when you're looking at the ERA, and I know that's a bad barometer, mm-hmm. but the the best ERA we got out of all these pitchers last year was Aaron Sanchez's 4.89 ERA. I again, I know it's a bad barometer, but it's it's still not a good look. Yeah, and it's really depressing to look at. The fact that Clayton Richard was the one who logged the most innings, and we have to say to ourselves, thank God for Clayton Richard. No one has ever said that about any Clayton ever. Thanks, man. Come on. (laughs) Come on now. That's a cheap shot. Um, At the end of the day. So I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Whatever. People don't forget, man. Um, At the end of the day, or at the end of the season, whatever you want to call it, um, who is going to be the best pitcher on the rotation? Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez will have the best year. Patrick? It's gonna be Aaron Sanchez. It's not gonna be Marcus Stroman. I'm Marcus going. Stroman. I'm not. It's not that I wish for Marcus Stroman to crash and burn, really because obviously I want the team to be okay. But Marcus Stroman has not shot up the entire spring. Everything is about him and how he embodies Toronto and how he's great and never does anything wrong. Um, don't look into the whole dog fiasco. We we don't want to talk about that. Um, but. This guy needs to shut up and pitch like an ace. He was so bad last year, and he, he struts around like he's, I'm the ace of this rotation. You're not the ace, Marcus Stroman. You're just the guy who's going to be pitching first. There's a difference. He's not an all-star. He's actually been voted recently one of the most overrated players by players. Marcus Stroman needs to shut up and pitch well and earn himself the big juicy paycheck he seems to have deluded himself into thinking he deserves. I bet you Marcus Stroman will have a rebound year, not a great year, a rebound year, but it's easy to have a rebound year when your <laughs> previous year you went four for nine and your ERA was over 5.5. I think that Ryan Baraki is going to have the best year out of all the Blue Jay pitchers because I think Aaron Sanchez is going to get hurt again. I don't trust Matt Shoemaker. Marcus Stroman's going to be underwhelming. And I think Ryan Baraki, after he comes back from injury, I think Ryan Baraki's going to really prove it this year. I got a good feeling about him. Do we even want to talk about our awful bullpen? Yes, I want to talk about the bullpen. I love Ken Giles. Ken Giles is the guy. I think picking up Ken Giles last year was an absolutely fantastic move. Um, I think he's going to be great in that closer role. The only thing is, he's not going to pitch a lot because we're not going to have too many save situations. Um... (laughs) After that, it gets a little iffy. Um, who are our two best bullpen guys, in your opinion, Justin? After Ken Giles. After Ken Giles. Let's just say oh, after Ken Giles. Uh, Joe Biagini and Tim Meza. Those are your two guys? Yep. What about you, Patrick? Are those? Do you agree? Uh, taking into account all previous stats and performance, it's going to be Tim Meza and uh, Ryan Tapera. But, I mean, obviously Tapera's injured, so mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do about that. I am extremely cautiously optimistic about Justin Schaefer. I know he only has eight innings uh, of previous uh, experience with last year, but honestly, I looked down this list and uh, the idea of watching any of these guys enter a game makes me want to cry a river of tears. I'm kind of excited for Bud Norris. He'll be a nice little addition once he gets healthy. I, I think he'll add a little bit of a kick to our bullpen because at least it's like a notable name. Our bullpen is filled with no-name guys. 
Um, so I'm kind of excited to see Bud Norris. I have a feeling he's going to be like another Drew store in though, where it's like, hey, he's he, he's kind of recognizable in the majors and then is really disappointing. <laughs> I know that Drew Storen had a little bit more fanfare. It was a little bit more notable before or then Bud Norris coming here. But still, I like this Elvis Luciano guy. He's pretty good. I got high hopes <laughs> for him, kind of. I don't know. But that's the thing with our bullpen. You don't know. Like, it's just like, ah, it's, who yeah, knows how they're going to do. A little bit of an oof situation. You never really know. Like, it's just kind of a crapshoot. Again, I really wish we had the Yankees bullpen or any other bullpen. I'd take Kansas City's bullpen at this point. Oh, like, I'd take anyone's bullpen. Um, it's just a bottom three bullpen we're dealing with. Yeah, bottom three in the league. Probably bottom two. Probably bottom one. Um, let's talk about the outfielders <laughs> here. Because our outfield depth is actually really, really good. Uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, Kevin Pillar, Gritch Daddy, Billy McKinney, uh, Dalton Pompey. Again, Dalton Pompey had a pretty good spring before he got hurt. Yep. So good for him. He proved it. Um, what do you think about our outfield, Justin? I'm, I'm happy with the springs that Gritchuk and T. Oscar and McKinney put up. We've talked about Pillar enough already. Uh, but yeah, these guys all showed. And I mean, as far as what we've heard, the Blue Jays are really happy with Teoscar's defense so far this spring, um, which is a good thing to see. I mean, the guy had a rough year last year. He was just incapable of getting jumps on balls and taking good routes. You saw him just basically zigzagging out there. He was serpentining for no reason. Like, he was trying to dodge the ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was looking like uh, Rick and Stark in Game of Thrones when he mm. took an arrow to the back, uh, just running away from everything. And, I mean, just... He looks better. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what these guys can do. A full a full season of of Randall Gritchick like he was after his injury last year, and not April Randall Gritchick would be great to see. We've already talked about how we think that Gritchick and Teoscar can hit 30 home runs apiece. And as far as we hear, Teoscar's earned the right to play every day, according to Charlie Montoyo, just because of the spring he's had. So for Billy McKinney, that's going to mean obviously maybe getting some innings in at first base, like we saw this spring, or maybe playing DH for a day or Teoscar mm-hmm. will play DH and McKinney will be in the field. It's going to see, we'll see what happens. But if, if these guys can hit the ground running, I think it's Teoscar's job to lose out in left field. Patrick, what are your expectations for Randall Gritchick this year? Like, are your expectations high for Gritch or are you kind of like, okay, if he has the same year he does last year, that's good. If he were to replicate the exact same stat line in every way, I would be like, all right, cool. That's, that's not terrible. <laughs> The main problem I have with the outfielders is that they're like halfway to having great pop, but then their OBPs are terrible. Yeah. Like, look at their batting averages, too. That's like the best out of the bunch is Kevin Pilar at 252, and his OBP was 282, and that's putrid. That's like, you just can't. Before, yeah. I get it that this team isn't meant to, you know, steal bases. There's still almost nobody on the team who can do it, uh, at least routinely and effectively. But, like, at some point, somebody's got to kind of break the glass ceiling as far as power. And I think this will be the year of Randall Gritchick. I think he came very close to hitting 30 home runs last year, despite an absolutely disastrous April and May getting injured and batting below 100 for a month. I don't think he'll have to deal with that again this year. I, I see him settling in at 260. If he can hit 260 with an OBP around 320, he'll definitely hit 30 home runs, and we're probably looking at 80 RBI from him. If Teoscar Hernandez can stop striking out two, three times a game, 
maybe be willing to take a few more pitches. I could see his average shooting up to about 250, his OBP around the same as Grichuk. And he could push for 30 home runs and 80 RBI, but I'd say he's probably going to be like a lesser Grichuk as far as his stat line goes, and that's fine. What are your expectations for Grich Daddy? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with what Patrick said. If he can kind of replicate everything, obviously have more than 430 <laughs> at-bats this year if he doesn't get hurt. Um, I like the guy a lot. We've talked about Randall Grichuk, and Grich Daddy's a pretty good ball player, and he plays great defense, and we all seem to like the guy. His, his offensive numbers are fine. I have no problem with anything he does as long as he can stay healthy and, and be consistent all year. His numbers better be better than they were last year because he teased us with that unreal second half. Yeah. If he replicates, because well, yeah. I expect him to do the that all half, season yeah. now. <laughs> the thing is, the first two months were awful for Grichik. Yeah. Then he had an unbelievable finish to the season. Yeah, we always And ask, now it's uh, like, hey, buddy, you set the bar high for yourself. We always We want to uh, see that Randall Grichik the entire time. What have you done for us lately? And he did a lot for us. Exactly. Half, so, so if he has the exact same stat line, I'll be like, uh, again, I'll be pumped because he had a great stat line. But I want it to go better. I'm expecting him to be. Uh, I'm expecting him to be a pretty good ball player for our team. Um, let's talk about the infield now. Shifting to that, um, our catcher situation again. Luke Maley, rough spring, still pretty solid for a backup catcher. Danny but Danny boy, Jansen, Danny, Danny Jansen's going to be the guy, and based on his spring, he's going to be a good guy. Yeah. Um, we don't have to worry about Danny Jansen though. Out of all the positions in the out or in the infield, rather. Who are you most worst about? What position are you most worst about? Not just the starters, but the depth at that position, too. Well, to start the year, third base offensively, we Drury had a great spring, but him and old Richie Urania are going to play third base for the first three weeks, hopefully, max, mm-hmm. <laughs> if all goes well with Flatty. Um, defensively, most worried about second base with Lourdes Gurriel. He was a little shaky last year, and he's had some shaky times this spring. I think he made three or four errors in the spring. So, but... Yeah, those two positions, third base offensively and then second base defensively would be my two concerns. What are you concerned about when it comes to Renfield here, Patrick? Brandon Drury. Um, I know he had a great spring training. Uh, I'm just, I'm really, really worried about what's going to happen at the hot corner until Vladdy comes up. And I'm even worried about Vladdy too because he'll be coming in after being injured all the hype that I had for Vladdy is has dissolved. I'm I'm just I'm so worried about what's going to happen with him. And everybody talked about how his like his floor was going to be to hit 280. And I, I'm just I don't know. I'm that I'm I'm real nervous about that now. I'm not worried about Vladdy at all. No, I'm, fi- yeah, I'm yeah, fine with him. I'm 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 a little worried about his injury because, but that's any injury. Anytime anyone gets injured, there's a little bit of worry in your mind. Like, oh boy, yeah. I hope this doesn't turn into a Devin Travis situation, you mm-hmm. know? Because when Devin Travis first started getting hurt, everyone was just kind of like, oh, whatever, he's fine, he's athletic, he'll he'll bounce back. He never bounced back. He was constantly hurt. So there is a little bit of that, but at the same time, I'm not too worried about Vladdy. Again, I'll always remember that video of all the Blue Jays watching Vladdy taking batting practice yeah. and none of them wanting to go back inside after the cage him, yeah. after him. Because they're like, I'm not going after that. I'm not following that. That has never been done with any player. Like with Griffey, with Trout, you've never heard of that. Maybe it's happened because we didn't have social media back in the day. Like maybe with Babe Ruth or Pete Rose <laughs> or something like that, maybe it happened. But I've never heard of something like that. Pro ball players, grown men, being like, I am not following this 19-year-old kid. This kid mashes. 
I love that story. Yeah. And it just makes me think, like, man, if this, like, if all these major league ball players are that impressed with them, it's it's gonna be awesome. I'm pretty excited for Vladdy. Like, is this gonna be not the year of Vladdy, but is this gonna be the year that it's like, man, this rebuild is truly gonna work out. Vladdy's yeah. gonna lead the way. Is Vladdy gonna prove it this year that Vladdy's gonna be the leader of this team, the face of the franchise, or does he still need a couple more years? I think this is the year we see a glimpse, a glimpse of it. I think next year when Vladdy starts on opening day in 2020, it'll be the year that everything kind of starts to come together. We'll have Bichette. We might have Biggio. We could have Sean Reed Foley. We could have Brocky. We could have Nate Pearson if all goes well. We could have a bunch of guys next year who, for year two of this like full-on rebuild, that, mm-hmm. that really show up and, and show us that, hey, this, this 2020 decade could be really fun. Yeah. Patrick, do you agree? Like, Do you think this is going to be the year that Vladdy proves it, or do you think that it's going to be in the next couple of years? I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I have a very bad feeling about this year, and I have a very bad feeling about Vladdy's rookie year. I'm not saying all the the bloom is off the rose or anything like that. I just think that we're in for a rough year, and I I, don't, I think Vladdy is going to be a uh, what's the phrase? He's going to be like a victim of it, but it's not entirely going to be his fault. The injury sucks, but guys need to get on base way more than what they were last year. And I don't have a hell of a lot of faith in some of the infield hitters to be able to do that. So I don't know. I just, I really don't know. Even though I'm worried about Vladdy's Vladdy's injury, I'm still not 100% convinced that it's a real injury and not something that management has just said, hey... Let's just say you hurt your oblique oh, so we don't have to play on. you the first three weeks. Part that's of me a, that's still a thinks spicy that. take. Part the... of me still thinks that because I do not trust our management. Clean's got the I don't trust them out. at all, got okay? The red string going on. I got right a tinfoil hat on Everything my head is connected. when it comes to our management. <laughs> I still think that he wasn't that hurt. Maybe he tweaked it a little bit, but for him to be out that long, I think that maybe they saw an opportunity to be like, you know what, this is our out here. We're going to talk to Vladdy's people, say he's hurt, and that way this oh, will man. all kind of smooth over and it won't be a focus anymore. I don't Because it came at that. a very convenient time. I know this is silly and I know it's probably not true, but think about it. <laughs> think about it. Everyone was talking about Vladdy and his playing time. Should he, you know, start in the minors? Should he start in the majors? Everyone was talking about it. And then he got hurt. The timing was too perfect. Too perfect. <laughs> it all worked out too well, in my opinion. And I think that there's something behind that. And if that is the case, if he faked an injury, we have nothing to worry about with Vladdy. He's going to come up and he's going to mash. But I think that I think that Vladdy isn't going to be the reason we're going to be bad. I think Vladdy's going to have an unreal year. It's going to be our horrible starting pitching and our horrible bullpen, which is going to lead to our demise. I don't think our lineup's horrible. Like, no. It's definitely lacking a little bit of star power. But, I mean, Justin Smoke, Randall Gritchick, T. Oscar can hit. Same with Gurriel. Like, it's not horrible. I'm just worried about how we're going to get rid of Suns out, guns out, and just not pl- yeah. gonna not play him much. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the way it's going to go? He's yeah, going to be like a, a, a dead black spot on mm-hmm. the lineup card. It'll just be like, he'll just be scratched out from the get-go. <laughs> he'll have him on the reserves, but just be, he'll just be scratched out. If he Suns out, <laughs> guns out, I don't care. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> um, let's get some um, predictions. Sure. How are the Jays going to do? Where are they going to finish in the division? Um, are they going to make the playoffs? You know what? Let's not even bring that question up. Playoffs? Playoffs. playoffs. Uh, that's not going to happen. But how are the Jays going to do? In general, Patrick, we'll start with you. How is the Jays season going to go? 
man, if you had asked me this like three days ago, I would have said we'd win 79 games. But after doing the cut and paste job here, getting all the stats in, especially for the bullpen and the pitching, man, we're going to win 71 games and we're all going to have to eat a lot of shit. But we're going to see what we want to see from the players we want to see it from. Except Vladdy. I, I just, I don't, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it this year. Boo. Wow. Can we, I want to do I'm not, I'm, I feel like here. shit saying that, but uh, come on. Who's, who, who will be the Blue Jays MVP this season? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Patrick? Randall Gritchick. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with Justin Smoke. Hmm. I don't hmm. mind that, actually. Blue Jays Cy Young Award winner yeah. this year? Who, uh, like, like who's uh, going to win the in, Blue Jays? Yeah, Cy Young? within the organization, within the team. Ryan Baraki. Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, I'm going to Sanchi as well. The Sanchez, he's back. Who's going to be the most surprising player on the Jays? Lotus Gurriel Jr. Pos- positive or negative surprise? Um, positive. We'll go positive first. Lotus Gurriel Jr. Yeah. Yeah. You're going with Gurriel's going to be Jr.? an All Star. Period. Mike drop. I think Danny Jansen. I, like I think Danny hmm. Jensen, in a good way, like everyone's going to be like, oh, he'll have a good season. I think Danny Jensen's going to have a great season. Uh, what about the opposite? Who's going to have the most disappointing season? Mm, man, that's tough. I mean, I want to say like a guy like Galvis, but that's a that's a cop-out. Uh, Luke Maley. Okay. Yeah. I, think he's gonna I don't want to say it. That. guys are going to get mad. You're going to say Vladdy, Vladdy aren't you? Go, He's gonna hit two. I just, I'm, it's, I don't know. I'm just worried. I would rather look like an idiot and be a hundred percent wrong about this than be a hundred percent right. Yeah. So I'm gonna say the stupid thing, hoping that it doesn't come true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Vladdy. So you're saying Vladdy? Yeah. How could yeah. you? How so, so Vladdy's you? gonna hit two eighty, and we're gonna be disappointed. Yeah. Oh no! Heaven forbid. No, I think he's gonna hit like two fifty. Hey, you watch your mouth. Yeah, that's... No, see, this is the thing. I'm playing against <laughs> know, fate. I'm I trying know. to game it so that way I can look super stupid because I'd rather look very stupid than very smart in predicting that Vladdy's going to have a bad season. Still hurts, man. Still hurts. Uh, for me, Matt Shoemaker. I think he's going to have the most disappointing season. I know that's tough because he's a he's a newcomer, and it's like how can he have really say he's going to have a disappointing season? But he's in our rotation, and I just I don't trust him. Yeah. He's like the Jays' management He's up to something. I want to give a few shout-outs here. Shout-out to the New York Mets for starting first baseman Pete Alonzo opening day instead of manipulating service time. Shout-out to the Chicago White Sox for signing Eloy Jimenez to a deal and superseding his team control arbitration years and starting him opening day. And shout-out to the Padres for letting Fernando Tatis Jr. also start opening day. Mm-hmm. That's the number two and three prospects in the, behind Vladi that will be on opening day. And Pete Alonzo is the Mets' number one prospect. So... Three top prospects that aren't going to have their service time manipulated. Shout-outs to those three teams. Yeah, love it. Shout-outs, um, shout-outs. That's it. That's all for the um, season preview, the wrap-up of spring. Uh, before we go, uh, movie critic Justin Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you saw Us. I did. I saw it last night. Everyone loves it. Do you love it? I don't hate it. It's it's not a movie that I'd say I love. Um, I'm more in line with the IMD reviews that are in like the 7.4, 7.3 range rather yeah. than the Rotten Tomatoes 95%. I thought the first half of the movie was kind of spooky, and there was some jump scares, and then the thriller. I don't know why people are calling it a horror movie because it's not really. Like, there's no ghosts and stuff. Dead mouse reference. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, the second half of the movie, it felt like like an action movie. Like there was a lot of fighting going on and like running away from stuff, whereas it wasn't more like 
or you're in the house and there's like creepy crawly things like coming after you. It was, it was interesting. There was a couple of twists at the end that, well, that were predictable, but still happened. And I mean, I, I liked the movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all. I did like it. It wasn't as good as his first movie, Get Out. Yeah. Get Out was amazing. That's what everyone's saying. It was yeah. a great movie. This is still a solid movie. And I mean, if it wasn't being compared to Get Out, it's a great movie. But because it is getting compared, being compared to Get Out, it's 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 a little bit mediocre. But I still liked it. See, I'm a, I'm a grown man, and I can't watch horror movies because I'm oh, petrified of them. I think you'd be fine with no, this one. Like, I would not. This isn't like a paranormal activity kind of horror movie. It's like a there's there's no ghosts. There's still, no, there's nothing paranormal about it. You know what happened to me when I was a kid? The very first Chucky. horror movie I ever watched was The Blair Witch Project. Oh God, not scary, <laughs> not scary. But I was like six at the time. Okay, keep yeah, it, yeah. keep this in the back of your head. I was six years old. Watch it with my brother and my sister. The next day, I wake up horrible sleep because yeah. I'm convinced whenever I watch a horror movie that it's actually going to happen to me. Mm. This is going to happen tonight. So I had zero sleep. I wake up and there is a giant pile of rocks outside my door. If you don't remember in the movie, yeah. the Blair Witch would pile rocks outside their tent as a way to say, you're next. That's what my brother and my sister did. They put a bunch of rocks outside my door and I was <laughs> That's a, that's a dick move on that part. Petrified. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, that's like, a that's a no no. Patrick, do you watch horror movies or no? Oh man, it's my favorite genre no. by far. No. I actually just got my paws on a uh, Universal horror set. It is uh, all the major releases of the Universal horror block from the 30s and 40s. So it's got. Uh, both versions of Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, The Invisible Man, um, Phantom of the Opera, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. I can't wait to rip into it. It's going to be amazing. But I, I also love Jordan Peele, and I've got Get Out, and I haven't watched it yet. Ooh, I gotta sure. get. I gotta, I gotta do it at home though, because yeah. I hate watching horror movies in the theater. I feel like it takes something away from it. I'd rather watch it at home where it, I feel like it's easier for someone to murder me. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I know. I, st- I, still still think, I still think you can't beat movie theater picture and sound, which is oh, why, yeah. was why I love going to movies at the theater. And, I mean, the seats are great. Yeah. I don't have a comfy chair. I, I have a comfy chair, but I don't have, like, a reclining movie theater chair at home, which that's on the wish list. I need that for Christmas, maybe. If you're listening, Mom, you know what to get me for Christmas. Uh, but – the real the real thing is, I mean, Endgame comes out in four weeks. I mean, everyone's talking about that. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Clayton's so pumped. Whatever. Superhero movies, there's so many. I can't shooting, keep track uh, anymore. They I can't keep track. Bond 25 yesterday. Again, can't keep track of those either. Oh, I can't wait to watch Daniel Craig. His last, uh, is finally his last time. <laughs> phone it in for another Bond movie. Hey-o. Can't wait for that. I'm more about the uh, comedies, guys. I'm a simple man. Uh, that's it. That's all for uh, the season preview episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a follow, comment, share it. Do whatever. Go we Jays. don't care. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Tune in. Make sure you listen to that. Go Jays go. Another season coming up. Can't wait to be super disappointed after three weeks of the year. But whatever. The future is bright. As long as we win more games than Baltimore, it's a good year. Exactly. Screw you, Baltimore. <laughs> Eat shit. Uh, what's our extra song today? Who's picking it? Patrick's got it. I time. picked it. It is a classic song from the 90s. It is Sober by Tool. Alrighty. On behalf of Justin and Patrick, uh, my name's Clayton, and have a good one. Talk to you next week. Yeah.